steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Unbelievable. Vikings win it. Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Riddell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we get to talk about probably the best day that we're going to see all season long uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. And that is coming off of a victory over the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And it was it was an exciting game to watch, and the Vikings played extremely well. So really, a lot of positives here. Uh, and then this kind of the second half of the show is we'll discuss, you know, what does this mean? I mean, obviously, we discussed on the preview episode that this particular game is kind of the Vikings Super Bowl for 2020. Right. Uh, being, you know, where they stood in the uh, standings and kind of where they're the direction they were heading. Uh, but now, I mean, there's some hope, I guess. So we'll you know, we will we'll try to get into that a little bit and uh, you know see where we stand, you know, following this you know, huge victory that in, in any other circumstance would have no question marks around it. But because of how the Vikings started the season, uh, we will evaluate kind of how to move forward, you know, knowing what we do after this game. So that's the game plan for today's show. And we will jump right into it with the quarterback position, which is funny because the quarterback position really didn't matter. No, Uh, it didn't. So, I mean, we could talk about Kirk Cousins, but this is going to be a short snippet for sure because the guy only threw 14 passes. Right, and none of them were over 10 air yards in, uh, down the field. So he, you know, was asked to do as little as any quarterback um, that I can think of this season in a winning effort, right? Um, that was, I mean, Kirk did, I guess, he was fine. Like, it, there's nothing to, he wasn't bad. Like, he didn't do anything bad, but he wasn't, he didn't do anything good or anything that, you know, an average quarterback wouldn't have done there as well, so... There is, you're right. There's nothing much to talk about here about Kirk Cousins' performance. Uh, it's just that the Dalvin Cook and the ground game was so efficient that it almost rendered the passing game like unnecessary because right. Green Bay couldn't stop anything. It wasn't, it wasn't worth the risk to throw the football. No, especially in the wind, correct. And then the Vikings' offensive line was absolutely mauling people on the ground. So there was no reason to go away from that, which is kind of weird to think about in 2020 where – Right. You know, it's all about the passing, and we've talked. I've even said before, like I, the Vikings need to become more a pass-happy team. You know, play I stand by that the, still. the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's to play the way you know football should be played in 2020. Yet, uh, I think just all the things yesterday with the wind and the weather, and uh, it just it it was a perfect Mike Zimmer game to coach because he could, you know, let That's that you he, he could really rely on the run game, and then his defense could take advantage of um, you know the the conditions and kind of keep Aaron Rodgers in check a little bit. Right. So I guess one positive for Kirk Cousins is that not and to go off of what you said, he wasn't really asked to do anything. But one positive is he didn't allow the elements to phase him negatively. Sure. Yeah. Right. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah. Like he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he he got the job done. He Which did that's a step was, forward for him based on the last few weeks. Like that I, is a step forward. For I would agree. That's a that's a positive momentum shifting move, especially considering that like, yeah, he didn't. I can't, like, this reminds me of a Tavares Jackson, Adrian Peterson type game. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, 
if the quarterback just doesn't turn the ball over or doesn't do anything completely disruptive, you feel like good just based off of recent history with Kirk. Like, let's move in a direction where we're not throwing back-breaking interceptions. And he didn't do that, and he had the opportunity to as well. So that didn't happen. But really, you know, let's focus on the ground game here. Um, I think it became very clear yesterday that the Vikings are a big wind team. Wind, I mean. Not wind. Wind. Okay. Um, And I didn't think that was a thing. But that's very clearly a thing based off of, you know, if you're going to build the perfect team to compete in the wind, this is it. The Vikings have the perfect team to compete in the wind. And they didn't even have to use all of the elements of it. Like, it's not like Dalvin Cook was great. And we'll talk about Dalvin Cook for, like, this entire show. But they didn't even have to use Alexander Madison one of the best backup running backs in football, perfect asset to have in a big win game. And, I mean, they have Thielen and Jefferson who are good, you know, after-the-catch receivers as well, guys who are sure-handed and can do something with the ball after it. They weren't asked to do much either, but they have it. And then on top of that, they're two tight ends. I mean, I could not be more impressed with Irv Smith, straight up. Like, he could, he did everything that a tight end can possibly do and still only have one reception and 16 yards on his sheet. He blocked well, and I know he had that weird phase in the third quarter where the announcers were like, just as we were talking, kind about Irv Smith, he starts making mistakes. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. But the body of work in this game was exceptional from Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, Chad Beebe caught that big third down conversion. I mean, every single player did well, and it just reinforces the notion that this is like, this is the perfect wind team. If we get the, if the Vikings get these conditions, they are at an extreme advantage because this is this is how you build it. This is yeah. I just wish every game was outside. Yeah. I mean, there's right. That's the the very funny thing about this is that the Vikings are playing indoors for every home game. So <laughs> uh, they're totally building their team against you know the elements that they've surrounded the franchise with uh, in many, at uh, US Bank Stadium. But I mean, you're right. Like you know, Dalvin Cook ran the ball 30 times, Madison three times, CJ Ham once. So that's 34 rushing attempts. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 14 times. Like <laughs> you don't see that in 2020. And, right. and I mean, I, I have no qualms with the decisions made. Like I'm not, I'm not going to tell Gary Kubiak to throw the ball more with K- K- Kirk Cousins and 30 mile an hour wins when you're leading the game in the second half. So I, I have no issues with it. I think, you know, I, I, in a way I want the Vikings to be more aggressive when trying to close out a game, but in those circumstances, you kind of just got to run out the clock and then sort of make Rodgers beat you in those conditions um, with, you know, essentially only Devontae Adams as a reliable pass catcher. So if you, when you, when you run the numbers on it, right, you just said 14 pass attempts. He's also sacked one time. So 15 total dropbacks, 34 total carries. The, the Vikings ran the ball at close to a 70% clip. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get that. Like, I, I hope that's having the same impact on you guys. Yeah. As it is on the me. analytics guys are furious, by the way. Exactly. They, and they <laughs> should be, because this goes against every little detail that they've worked their entire careers to say doesn't work. And it just did. And all it took was 30 miles an hour wins. Like, no big deal, right? But anyways, you look at the strategy that the Vikings came in with. Um, you know, they knew they were built for this. And they, and they just immediately kind of imposed their will from the start of the game. This is how you want every single Vikings game to start. Like, obviously, this is how you want every game to finish. But, like, if you could get the Vikings to churn up clock and, you know, efficiently, but not necessarily efficiently, but effectively move the ball down the field in the opening drive just to set everyone's feet on the ground, this is how you want to start the game. The Vikings immediately had momentum. Look, 
I know it seems weird because of how spaced out the timing of this game was because of how long the first, what, four opening, four drives were. Mm-hmm. But the Vikings scored not, they didn't just get three, they got seven on, on four their first four drives. Dalvin Cook scored on the first four Vikings possessions of the exactly. game. Exactly. Like, that, that's, in, that's complete insanity. And it's not, and they weren't doing anything in the, the you know, the pass game at all. Like, it's not like they were playing, you know, magnificent, like, 2020 football. They were playing, like, 1972, run it down your throat until they stop you football. And they just never stopped yeah. them. Period. So, and this is exactly how the 49ers have destroyed the Packers the last two years. Right. Because uh, this is how, you know, that, that's the same type of makeup offensively. You know, they have, they run the ball a ton. And they have a quarterback that uh, I, I would say the coaching staff doesn't trust to just kind of fling it, right? And Garoppolo and Cousins. So they kind of wanted, you know, they would like to make things easier for the quarterback, play action, uh, a lot of motion, that type of thing. And so we saw that with the Vikings. And, of course, Ezra Cleveland had a phenomenal game for his sure. second career start. Bradbury was awesome. Uh, you know, O'Neal and, and Reef were also really, really good. Dozier, I think there was the one screen maybe to Thielen or something that was just awful where I think there was three linemen that let one Packers DB through. But other than that, like, I can't even think of a poor, uh, you know, rep by any any Vikings offensive linemen. So it's – you're right that, you know, this this like this identity for a football team in like 1974, like the Vikings are set, man. Uh, Mike, the Mike Zimmer was built to coach in 1974. Uh, I don't know about 2020, but, hey, it worked in – given the conditions that Lambeau field saw yesterday. So, um, you know, a lot of rookies stepped up, played well. Uh, a lot of younger guys, you know, did what they needed to do. And then of course you just, you get down in open space. It's going to, it's going to work. And so, yeah, you're, and you're absolutely right. Like that's, that's just what it is. So there's two more, there's two real, you know, more highlights to discuss from this game. Right. And that's Dalvin Cook, who we've been purposefully kind of putting off of here. And then, of course, the DJ Wanham strip sack mm-hmm. at the end of the game that kind of came at the perfect time. And just another one of those young guys, like you're mentioning, who kind of stepped up in a moment where last week I was questioning if these moments were too big for a lot of these guys. And DJ Wanham is a guy who, right from the get-go, I didn't really give it much of a chance. I saw it, you know, if you remember my analysis of him at post-draft, I said he looked like Scott Crichton. And to be honest with you, outside of the guy who just got traded to Baltimore, he's been the most effective pass rusher the Vikings have this season. Mm-hmm. And he's done it in key moments, too. Like, I understand that he didn't get home in three seconds or whatever it was to get that strip sack. But he was there at the right time. He followed, you know, he followed Rodgers outside the pocket. He didn't give up, he didn't on, the give play. up on the play. Yes, thank yep. you. He didn't give up on the play, which is a big moment for him. Um, and again, that's a, that's a huge morale booster. Like, if he doesn't get another sack for the rest of the season, that's fine. But he has this moment to kind of, like... He's a well, this is his welcome to the NFL moment on the positive side, right? Like you always talk about kind of the moments where the guy gets the first big hit, right? Or, you know, they, you know, fumble the ball because they weren't carrying it the correct way fundamentally. And you say, welcome to the NFL. Well, there's the opposite too. And for DJ Wanham, I mean, this is a huge moment. The Vikings have very little pass rush. They've got very little, you know, secondary. They need someone to like take an opportunity and run with it. And Wanham is off on the right foot because of one play, one play. And I'm, I'm like the rest of the game was fine too, but one play, he showed that he has the potential to do a lot of different things and do it in crunch time moments, which is something that this team, you know, longs for at every position. It's not just Kirk Cousins that kind of cracks in prime time. You know, it's the defense too. And to see that moment happen when all of us were ready for Rodgers to go down the field and get seven there and win the game 29-28, 
just to break out, you know, bust our balls again. He stopped it. So that's a big moment for him in his career. It's a big moment for the Vikings defense, too, who held when everyone thought they were going to fold. Right. I was 100% on board with, you know, this is going to be a Seattle game all over again. Uh, but I, I think the pass rush was really solid yesterday. Now, Zach, when he came on our show last week, did say Packers offensive line has not been protecting that great. And also mentioned with Bakhtiari, if he's out, you know, that's going to be really bad. And so we both kind of wondered, like, well, which is going to win there, the Packers offensive line? which is struggling, and then Bakhtiari was out, so they only added to kind of that intrigue with how bad that could be, or the Vikings' pass rush, which completely inexperienced, uh, and really nobody there um, has had a reliable stint in the NFL yet. And I think we saw the Vikings' pass rush win, even maybe if there was a low sack total there for Rodgers, just because you know he is mobile, and he did kind of use his feet quite, really well to get out of the pocket, make plays, or throw the ball away, whatever have you. But, you know, I thought... You know, Wanham, of course, was great. I thought Odenabo had some good pressures. I thought um, Hercules Mata'afa brought up off the practice squad. That was a nice uh, – he had some nice uh, moments in there as well. So uh, there's – you know, of course, I think there will be tougher tests along the way for better pass protection units against them. But nice to see the Vikings figure something out there. And uh, for every – you know, for – Devontae Adams scored three touchdowns, I know. But I am very pleased with how – much of a, I don't want to say non-factor he was, but um, how well he was contained by this young secondary. Uh, you know, if you're going to, I would gladly take 53 yards on 12 targets for Devonta Adams. And yeah. the one I actually want to point out is not even contested by a cornerback, but remember down the seam, Eric Kendricks running stride for stride oh, with yeah, Devonta Adams crazy. playing the, uh, I think Tampa two down the scene there. That was unbelievable. And so another reminder that Eric Kendricks is still, can, he might be the best cornerback, linebacker, and defensive lineman on the roster right now because uh, that guy can do everything. Absolutely. It's just another great player that, you know, stood out in another big moment. I mean, if that ball gets completed, the Packers might go down and score on that drive. So, you know, a lot of kind of moments where the Vikings in the past, or at least the recent past this season, where they have cracked, um, they stood tall this weekend. And, you know, that was refreshing to see. Uh, but really, this game was about Dalvin Cook, Right. You know, we just we've been talking for what about 10 minutes now, and we've basically just side sidestepped Dalvin Cook the entire time. Look, this entire game, this entire football game hinges on the Vikings running back. Literally everything. He, the Vikings ran at a 70% clip. Dalvin Cook was involved in what 64% of those rushing attempts. He ran at a 5.6 yards per carry attempt. He had what five or six over 10 yards. He was setting the Vikings up in second and four or second and three, second and two positions all game long. He was doing literally everything at a high level. He could not have been better than he was, literally. And it, it, it's, it's one of those moments where you start to kind of wonder, is he actually the best running back in the NFL? Right. Like we have these conversations. We've been having them. We've been saying, OK, yeah, he got paid this much money. He's a top five running back, whatever. Straight up, he revolutionized the Vikings offense yesterday. He was. This I was back to 2012 immediately, whereas Adrian Peterson running the show and the Vikings but, quarterback. But he's a pass catcher. Like, right. But he could add that element to it as well. And he also passed blocked efficiently when he was asked to. It was like twice yesterday. But he did his job at every single level of the game. And most importantly, of course, as a running back, when you're running the football, 
you know, you have to do more than just what your block set up to be a great running back, right? Like in theory, any professional running back, if the block set up, you hit the hole, you can fall forward for four yards. The guys that are great are the guys who sidestep that first hole because they see eight yards down the seam as opposed to, you know, six yards up the middle. They get that extra two because they're just smart. They make that great decision. They see that spat opening up. You know, there's a couple moments where Cook went to the inside, bounced to the outside at the second level. That opened up a block from Thielen, and all of a sudden he was gone 20 more yards downfield. The Vikings blocking was outstanding, but Dalvin Cook was making the decisions at that second level to turn quality gains that are a product of a good offensive line into, you know, huge gains that were turning into seven points in every single mm-hmm. drive. It, it's a tough it's a tough game for the running backs. Don't matter your argument. It really is. And I'm, I'm saying that as somebody who is on the, or, you know, was on the side of don't pay Dalvin cook. Um, and I am cautiously still on that side. Uh, but man, uh, you can't see that game yesterday and kind of, t- you can't watch that game yesterday and come away with the, the take that, well, all running backs are the same. It's just impossible to think that after that, um, because, and it's not that Madison, I mean, again, Alexander Madison is not bad or uh, any of these backup running backs. Uh, they're still quality players, and you give them the chances they're going to produce. That's how the running back position is. But it seems like Dalvin Cook does is able to turn a routine five, six-yard run into something more at a, you know, a better rate than other running backs do. That speed to the edge, uh, that the quick feet he has, changing directions, it's pretty remarkable. So uh, you're right. This is a Dalvin Cook game. Um and obviously, statistically, it's the best performance of his career, and it uh, would be tough. It would be very difficult for him to top that. Absolutely. I mean, you just look at all the different things. I mean, you mentioned just like in the simplicity of it, right? He ran the ball effectively, he blocked effectively, and he caught the ball when he was asked to effectively. It was only what two times, but both but times. The went nice, but the thing about it was that he it wasn't just like the Adrian Peterson game where like it's one yards, two yards, or one yard, right. two yards, minus two, one, minus two, and then 85. Like it was large chunk after large chunk after large chunk. And we should note, this is also an indictment on the Packers run defense because that's been bad for a while. Right. And I think teams are maybe starting to realize some old school football against these Packers is the way to win. The Niners have done it twice in a row now and just destroyed them. Vikings just did it now. If you can get a lead on the Packers early and run the ball on them, uh, old school football beats them. But this is it's a combination of all those things where Packers bad run defense um, and then the Vikings uh, offensive line did a really, really nice job. And I think, you know, that that group is set up to be great run blockers. Of course, the, the issue becomes pass protection when right. the Vikings are need to throw the ball. But that did not that was not the case at Lambeau yesterday. That was all, you know, the, it was running the football was the priority and it worked out. Absolutely. You know, the thing is, is that when you're playing a game like this, right, where you're running the ball at a 70 percent rate, you in theory, you think it might it'd be harder. Right. Because the team, the the, the opposition knows what's coming at that point. Like you're not even trying to mix it up. You think that would be harder. But what Mike Zimmer did well, or I guess more Gary Kubiak, because he's the one calling the game is he didn't necessarily care that the Packers knew it was coming. He just sort of trusted the guys in front of him who were doing, you know, run blocking as an offensive lineman is the easiest part of your job, right? All you do is you take one step forward and you got to press forward and keep moving your feet. I know it's, I'm simplifying it. I'm not saying, you know, it's easy to be an offensive lineman. I'm saying in theory, that's the easiest part of your job. Pass blocking is where it's more difficult because you have to find leverage. You have to drop back effectively. There's so much more pickup blitzes and stunts. 
yeah, there's so much more technique involved and your feet can get tangled up. There's just so much more that can go wrong in pass production. So when you're running the ball effectively, you're not just, you know, getting the efficiency at that four, five, six, seven yards per attempt. You're also taking away from the problems that can occur as a result of trying to pass the ball or forcing yourself to pass the ball as the Vikings have found themselves so many times this year. It's not just, you know, that the Vikings offensive line isn't shrewd pass protectors at this point. It's that they're so good at run blocking and they're so confident at run blockers, right? All former players always talk about that kind of intangible thing, quantify, and that's just momentum and morale and, you know, just how, you know, your confidence translates to the football field. This is another game which, you know, we've talked about how this is a a big opposition to analytics, right? That's just another thing about this game. Like you can't quantify the confidence that the Vikings offensive line was getting knowing that they were going down the field, running the football down their throats and scoring every single time. You can't quantify that. There's no way to explain, you know, that might not matter down long term, but, you know, a year from now, if Hunter Dozier miraculously turns into this great guard, he might look back and be like, hey, guys, you know, I had this great game in Green Bay. All of a sudden I had confidence. I thought I was a good football player. You know, like these things make a difference. And that kind of transitions us into, you know, how to feel about this game, because obviously individually, this is the Vikings Super Bowl. This is the one game remaining on the schedule that every single Vikings fan wanted to win no matter what, because it gives you, you know, the shut up and go away factor with Packers fans. It gives you that. Like I was yeah. watching this game with two Packers fans in my basement. I didn't say anything because I know the Vikings <laughs> aren't a good football team, but they couldn't say anything to me. I was just like, yeah, it's a good football game. Sorry, you guys lost. Like, yeah, you're still bad. I'm like, I don't, I know (laughs) you lost. So like, it's over, you know, but at the same time, that feeling right there, and this is kind of, I'll let you introduce the poll, but that feeling right there only lasts for about a couple hours, right? Now it's Monday. Now we're recording this show and we have to start thinking, okay, now the Vikings are two and five. The Jets just lost again. In theory, yeah. they're now two games back of getting the first overall pick. If you are a, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, like, need to have him to be, continue being a Vikings fan guy, you're probably not happy about this. So tell them about the poll. Yeah, so this morning I went on the Unbelievable uh, Podcast Twitter account, which um, is not as active as it could be, I'd say. <laughs> uh, but I was kind of curious about what, you know, the followers thought uh, about how you feel about this team. So if you look at the schedule going forward here, and I didn't put this in the tweet or in the poll, but there are a lot of winnable games based on, you know, win loss record ahead. Now I know with the Vikings, that doesn't seem to matter too much this year uh, into, into how they play, right. They seem to play better teams, you know, more competitively at this point. But um, so I just asked, you know, how do you feel about the rest of the season with three answers? You know, number one, still hoping for the playoffs. Like you're still hoping that they can grind this out. They can get on a little uh, winning streak here and make some noise, put up. They'll be featured on that in the hunt group on the playoff graphic. And then they'll sneak in the playoffs as one of those extra wild card spots. Uh, or there's the, the second option was tank for the high draft picks. So you want them to keep losing games and solidify a high, probably top five, top 10 draft spot. And then the last one was still unsure. Don't really know how to feel. Just kind of want to watch this team play and you'll roll with the punches. And over 50% of our responses right now are still saying to tank for that high draft pick. Um, after, you know, now at two and five. Um, and then, of course, you had right now 23% are still hoping for a playoff spot. Still hoping for at that hot streak during the season here. 
and then the rest, which was one in five, 20% said they're still not really sure how to feel about that, that question in particular. So I did before handing it back to you or getting your thoughts on this, I wanted to list off the schedule uh, coming up here to see if that changes how you think about it. Because moving forward here, Vikings have at home versus Detroit, uh, who just got smoked, by the way, by Indianapolis. Uh, at Chicago, which, as we know, probably a loss, right? Because Vikings right. don't win at Chicago. And then three straight home games against very, very winnable opponents, which is Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville, back-to-back. So you got four out of five here at home. Your road game is against the Bears, who, I mean, without the bad juju at Soldier Field, that seems very winnable because their quarterback situation is bad. They can't score points. Uh there's, it's easy to talk yourself into this team getting back into contention. And I believe right now they're the nine seed in the NFC. 13. In the NFC, they're, they're 13? Yeah, they're 13 in the NFC. Well, that's not correct then. Uh, but at two and five, uh, you know, it's easy to talk yourself into this team being six and six, you know, going into week 14 or whatever it is. So um, I, what do you think about that? What's your thoughts on... Do you still team tank? Do you still team kind of compete and try to ride this thing out? Okay, so one thing that yesterday taught me, um, if, any, if, I did, if I learned anything else, yes, one thing that I learned about my fandom is, you know, to put it concretely, I'm, I'm never going to cheer for the Vikings to lose. It's I never, won't it's, I can't it's do it. It's never going to happen. I can't do it. Because I, I, I was watching that Packers game, and granted – I probably wasn't as excited as I typically would be when the Vikings are leading by two touchdowns, you know, late in the fourth. I can admit to that because I am self-aware enough to look around and be like, They're pro- this probably doesn't matter long term. But at the same time, like, I was still filled with joy, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But seriously. I mean, it, it's especially against Green Bay. Like, if it would, it'd be one thing if it was, like, Detroit next week and it's like, you know – the Vikings moved to two and five by winning at home against Detroit, you know, right. nice, but it's, okay. it's different when it's Green Bay. So knowing that I can't, I really can't pick, you know, the hot answer here. Like I can't say that I definitively want them to tank. Like I know, like as someone who can separate himself from his fandom and kind of just looking at football from a fundamental objective point, I know that two and five is a bad spot to be there's very little chance of making the playoffs. And even if they do, there's very little chance of advancing in the playoffs. And ultimately down the road next April, I'm going to be pissed if the Vikings have the number 14 pick. I know all of those things. But at the <laughs> same time, yes, you say that schedule. And I'm like, let's do it. Let's win nine <laughs> games. Let's try to make the postseason. So, I mean, it, it, logically speaking, I'm still for the tank. But like emotionally – and my human instincts, things that I can't ignore, I'm, I want my favorite football team to win. Yeah. It's not going to change. It's never going to change. And, just, you know, despite the fact that this loss isn't as uplifting, excuse me, this win isn't as uplifting as it could have been had the Vikings beat Seattle and, you know, theoretically beat Tennessee. And they're looking at, what, a two-loss football team now and in a very competitive position. That hurts still. Yeah, I guess I get. I guess I have to say I'm optimistic, because I just saw everything that I, you know, hoped to see from this football game. Hoped you heard me on the last show. Drew, myself, Zach, none of us gave 
any chance for the Vikings in this football game. I wrote it off completely. I was making fun of my favorite football team. I just saw them do everything I said they couldn't. How can I not be a little bit optimistic? That's where I stand. Yeah, it's, it's, we, it, it sucks because I think, what, two weeks ago, we kind of closed the book on this conversation, right? Yes. I think it was after the, after the Falcons game. Yes. Right, because they go into that Falcons game. There was a close call against Seattle. And we're like, all right, well, if, if they can win this game, they're right back in this. They're that close. They have a bunch of close calls this year, blah, blah, blah. Then Atlanta smokes them at home, and we're thinking, okay, well, this is kind of a lost season. And to me, the one thing that would turn that around is going to Lambeau and winning, which is what happened. And so I'm with you 100% logically, of course, being, I guess, what they call purgatory. You know, If you look, look around on Twitter, you're going to see that word a lot. Purgatory is not awesome uh, because you're you're not getting the benefit of a high draft pick, but you're also not getting the benefit of being a serious contender for, you know, a Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal. But I'm with you. I, I, I can't enjoy, I'm like my football enjoyment is at a much lower level if I'm cheering for my favorite team to lose. And I, I cannot do that on Sundays. I, I will not. I, I hope my team loses. Uh, it's just that takes enjoyment out of it for me personally. So, and I'm not here to tell somebody, hey, if you want the Vikings to lose and you're a Vikings fan and you want them to lose because you want the draft pick situation, you can do that. Like, I, I have no issue with that. Um, I but probably won't I, watch the game with you, though. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. Um, <laughs> I would separate myself from that person. But I do, uh, you know, I, I, I look at this schedule and I think the Vikings are a very volatile team right now. They have Most volatile you know, team. They have obviously the Packers game. They dominated. Uh, you could look at the Seattle game and say that they dominated for two thirds of that game. Uh, you know, they they can compete it with the most respected teams in the NFL right now. Uh, and then of course they played down to their competition quite significantly as well with Atlanta, um, especially is kind of the, the big name there. So. I really don't know. I would put myself in the unsure category for that that poll. Um, you know, you, they're going to probably beat Detroit at home. You'd think. Uh, then they have Chicago, and if they, you know, that's a division. That's two divisional games in a division that, you know, if Green Bay, if they slip a little bit, this thing is not like the games are. Their Vikings are three games back, um, with some easy games on the schedule. Easy in quotes. So, like, there's a lot of football left. I know it's very dumb of me to get my hopes back up here uh but i can't really help it like i mean you, you go into lambo you beat a team that's five and one i'm sorry i'm gonna my emotions are gonna take over a little bit there so to kind of put in perspective how stupid we're being by being emotionally attached to this team so i'm looking at the rest of the schedule and i'm with drew that a lot of these games do look relatively favorable there's the two, two there's two tough games and the, against nfc south right at tampa right. at new orleans I think. and that's those are right. the two that jump out as tough games to win now still there's nine games total so two tough games seven games that you know you know the vikings are a swing team you're right they're the most volatile team in the, in the nfl they sometimes they win sometimes they lose but if they got hot okay there's seven games on here that you should feel confident in the problem with all of that, again, we go back to the fact that they're two and five. They need to win eight of these last nine games, basically, to go ten and six and have a position in the playoffs. There is a possibility that they could go seven and two and sneak in at se- at nine and seven as that number seven overall seed, assuming the NFC what West 
falls apart even more so, which I don't really think is going to happen based off how all those teams. The Rams look pretty bad, too. (laughs) But they looked pretty good two weeks ago. So, like, that's my point here. Anyways, the Vikings need to probably win somewhere between seven and eight of their remaining nine games. And on top of that, their conference record right now is one and three. So that's really bad for tiebreaker moments. Now, that all being said, they've only played two games in the NFC North. So they could still theoretically go five and one in the North and have tiebreakers over Chicago and Detroit if it came down to it. And they just beat the Packers. So if, you know, miraculously, if the Packers fall apart and the Vikings just, you know, win every game, whatever, they would be in a position where they would come down to other tiebreakers. So looking at this, I think the Vikings can make the postseason if they win seven of the remaining nine games. But that being said, they need to win twice in Chicago, so they need to beat Chicago both times. They can't. I don't see a way for them to make the playoffs without yeah. beating Chicago both times. Especially and, now that Chicago would be kind of a wild card contender at this point, right? Exactly. Right. So they are like kind of your your hottest. They're three games behind Chicago right now. Chicago is the first team out, and if, if the seven teams that get in, Chicago is the first one out. But they're three games behind Chicago. So in order to get in, they got to win seven games. Two of them have to be against Chicago, and one of the losses has to be against Jacksonville because that's an AFC team. It doesn't affect your conference record. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) I didn't consider that part. So the fact that, you know, is it possible? Yes. Is it realistic? No. Is it really unrealistic? Yes. Do I not care about any of that logic, and will I continue to root for this team Yes, that's probably what's going to happen because I just don't know what you want me to do. Like, I, So here's the thing. I can't – like, I know one of those games that we're not calling quote-unquote winnable is the Saints game. Right. I'm, I've been – okay. Vikings went to New Orleans and won the playoff game, and they just went to Lambeau and won against Aaron Rodgers. You can't tell me there's a zero chance the Vikings go in on Christmas Day and beat the Saints regardless of the circumstances, whether it means something or not, um, which is the part of this that's kind of fun and, you know, is entertaining about this team is like, you don't know which team's going to show up, which means they could compete with against Kansas City Chiefs next weekend, or they could lose to the New York Jets. Like there's any, any, each of those possibilities can happen at probably an equal rate. So, uh, you know, I guess what we're hoping for me and you down the rest of the road is that the team that competes with the Chiefs shows up nine times in a row and they'll be, you know, looking at a playoff spot. Seems realistic. <laughs> you look at the one thing I will say is that it's so much more difficult to look at, you know, if you start two and five, like you just immediately write yourself off. There are plenty of playoff teams that finish a season two and five, right? Like, they started really, really hot, yeah. and they went 2-5 and five down the stretch. We never really look at that reverse, right? The, quote, backing into the playoffs teams. We never, like, say, okay, well, they can't win the playoffs now because they're 2-5. and five. You know, maybe, yeah, you kind of mentioned that, but, like, you don't write them off as a non-contender. It's because the Vikings lost five of the first seven games they played the year, and just odds tell you they probably won't, you know, win enough games to make the postseason. Now, that being said, if they beat Detroit on Sunday— I don't think that game really matters. I'm not going to get too hyped over that. Like, I'll be excited as a Vikings fan, but like, I'm not like long term. I'm not going to be like, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl now. No, that's not going to happen. But if they get to four and five, beating Chicago in Chicago on Monday Night Football, and then all of a sudden 
Uh, you got Dallas up next, Carolina following, Jacksonville. You can theoretically get to seven and five. Like, I get it. I get it. I understand. <laughs> seriously, seriously, it's easy to talk yourself into it. It is, especially if that now the, of course we need we need to make sure we understand the Vikings history at Soldier Field, uh, especially when it comes to primetime games. Not good, uh, and Kirk has been very bad in his two games at Soldier Field as Vikings quarterback. Uh, but the thing about those games is that it will be like. It'll be a close game. The Bears are are not. The Bears are playing close games almost exclusively this year, and so that'll be. You know, there's that's one of those where a one play here or there could decide things. And if the Vikings come out of that game four and five, I will be thinking playoffs, uh, which is dangerous for my mental health. But I'm telling you that that's that will be what I'm thinking if that's the case. And you get Detroit before that, you get Chicago Monday night. It could become a problem for me. I I mean, you know. I could talk myself into this. I could. Seriously, uh, that's what I'm saying. Because I didn't it, even notice this until so after the game yesterday, my one of my buddies texted our, our group chat and goes, "I mean, you look at that schedule. Vikings could easily win their next five. And I was like, "Shut up!" And then I look at who it is, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Now I'm gonna be, you know, brought back into this optimism hype thing because Dallas looks terrible. With I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Dalton or right. like." Dak Prescott has earns fifty million dollars by sitting on the couch with his ankle taped, and then you have Jacksonville, who I don't. I mean, Gardner Minshew's not their quarterback right now. I think he's hurt. They're going to throw a six-round rookie out there this week. Uh, you know, Carolina, Teddy, that could be. I mean, they could. Be, they they have a dangerous offense, but their defense isn't awesome. So like, I, it's just I don't know. There's it's easy to talk stuff into it. The Vikings really have one opponent the rest of the year that I'm like actually scared of, and it's Tampa. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I get it. I get both sides, really. Like, I understand if you're I, I jumped off two weeks ago. I, I'm, I'm still off. But like, again, like the more you talk about it, the more you kind of like see the chips stack up. I mean, one thing that's in the Vikings favor in terms of odds is, you know, the law of averages is saying they can't lose any more one point games because they're zero percent in that regard. And if they get into two close ones with Chicago. To get back to the median, I Chicago mean... Is, oh, Chicago needs to lose. Oh, they did just lose a, a close game, but they had been backing into wins for a few weeks there. So they, they're due to come back to Earth a little bit as well. So I think kind of the way to conclude this, and conclude this segment and as well as the show, is just that you have to jump through a few hoops, but you can get there. You, you can... <laughs> You can <laughs> you can find a way to cheer for this team and believe in, not not just cheer but believe in this team. There are ways to get there, and I think we just did a good job. But you know, let us know where you're at with this too, because like I'm genuinely like I entered this show. Drew and I always have a short discussion before the show, kind of breaking down what we're going to talk about. And I straight up said like I don't I don't think so. Like I I'm out right. But we've been talking about this for what nine minutes, and I'm there. I can. <laughs> you know, like, this took nine minutes, and I'm, I, I have optimism moving. For, like I'm gonna leave the show healthy and happy for the first time in like three weeks, you know. So don't get too don't get too happy and healthy because it's it, it, it's one of the you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Cautiously optimistic is the the correct way to approach this because if you get too optimistic, it's just it it's gonna let you down. This team's gonna let you down. Yeah, and you're right. 
but I don't This care. is dangerous what we're doing. This is dangerous. Yeah. Sorry. We apologize in advance for when the Vikings lose by 40 to Detroit on Sunday. But that all being said, let us know what you think, because I think a lot of Vikings fans are struggling with this. You know, obviously there's 50% of you who are done. You don't need to turn your TV sets on anymore, but about 50% of you guys who are still thinking about it, either you're unsure or you're, you know, riding the momentum like us. So let us know what you think. Uh, you can leave those comments on dailynorseman.com. Um, I also check the YouTube content, comments section a lot, too. I know we don't get a ton of viewers on there because, you know, this is a podcast, but uh, feel free to use that that comment section as well. I appreciate that. I read that stuff. And um, it's fun to hear what you guys think, especially on these kind of topics. We're like, there's no right answer here. There's no right way to be a fan. It's just, you know, we're kind of challenging your belief system here. You know, what's most important to you in your viewing experience? So let us know what you think. Uh, you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Make sure to check out the Climbing the Pocket Network. Um, everyone is doing a great job producing content. I believe we're on fo- uh, new content every single day of the week. You can find that on Daily Norseman or ClimbingThePocket.com. And, yeah, so Drew and I will be back uh, later on this week to discuss Detroit. And I will be bringing p- plenty of optimism for the reasons we just stated. Detroit just, <laughs> you know, they are... You know, it's Detroit and Atlanta who love to fold, and I get oh, that Detroit won Adrian that battle. Peterson and Everson Griffin revenge games. That too. That too. I mean, this is going to be another fun one. So uh, we'll talk uh, with more enthusiasm later on this week as the Vikings hope to get to 3-5. and five. Um, And until then, you know, enjoy this one. For real. Like, I know it's only been 24 hours, but if you're not still enjoying the fact the Vikings won at Lambeau Field, like, this doesn't happen that much. So I don't nope. care if it's a lost season or not. Enjoy that moment. Uh, thank you for tuning into the show. Um, hopefully we didn't, you know, scramble your mental health with our kind of illogical, uh, optimism here, but (laughs) that being said, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you later on this week.